Welcome to episode number six, to jingle or not to jingle. Today, we are going to be hearing about some recent aviation, gaming, and transportation slash automation news. Then we're going to go and learn some terms and definitions with our word game called Jargon in a Jiffy. Then we're going to help you build a blueprint to success with Career Corner, live listener Q&A, and then the most important thing, which is going to be our discussion topic for this week, which is going to be to jingle or not to jingle. When should Christmas holidays and decorations should actually start? To help me uh, with this day, joining me today is going to my fellow host, um, the fellow co-founder of the Three Green Simulations Group and Flight Sim Extraordinaire, none other than Tommy D from Level Flight Simulations. How's it going, Tommy? Good morning, Bill. Going great. How about yourself? Good morning, everybody. Um, it's going good. How was your week this week, Tommy? Actually, this week's been pretty good. Not not okay. too stressful. Uh, I was able to keep a little bit on on top of the dome here. <laughs> I actually went yesterday, the wife and I went to see um, Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, which is a musical. And um, before all of you are like, oh my God, I didn't know Bill was super religious. It's not. I'm a musical person. I'm a theater person. My father was in theater and a technician. Uh, My brother is an actor. I was a uh, actor and uh, stage manager and technician in high school as well. So I just have a thorough love for musical theater. And if any of you have seen... um, the 1973 with Ted Neely, Carl Anderson. It's an amazing show. Um, but I will say, this was a little bit different than I expected. I was texting Tommy last night after the show. Um, it, it was, I do applaud them on attempting to take a modern take, because that's what the 1973 version was, was a attempted take or a modern take on the story of Jesus Christ. Um, and so that's what they did with this one. But as I texted to Tommy, um, Jesus Christ in this play had a guitar, a man bun, and was in sweats. So <laughs> I'm not going to ruin it too far beyond that. But the music was written by Andrew Lloyd Webber, so it was amazing as it is. Definitely go check it out. Uh, but it's definitely different than I was expecting. Um, but other than that, I, I feel like it was it was an okay show. Um, I did that this week. Had a good trip with a, a good captain that I like flying with. I'm flying with him uh, tomorrow. Um, so overall, it was a pretty good week. Um, so with that being said, uh, let's get started here with our uh, first news segment today, which is going to be um, aviation news with uh, myself, and uh, we're going to be talking about that here in just a second. Uh, but first, we always open up with, uh, we're starting to open up with this week in aviation history, because it is extremely important to understand the history of the aviation world uh, to understand where this is going in the future. Um, so... This week in aviation, uh, it was on November 9th, uh, 1904. Wilbur Wright flies for five minutes and four seconds over Huffman Prairie, Ohio, covering about two and three quarter miles. Now, some of you may be like, well, that's not really a, um, that's not really a, a good thing. You know, that's not, wh- wh- why is that important? Well, you got to understand the Wright Flyer when it first uh, came out was, I think it flew 120 feet for 10 or for 12 seconds out in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. So uh, in 1904, and that was December. So pretty close in the next year. Now we're talking about they're adding a little more, um, a little more distance and stuff to it. So that's this week in aviation history, November 9th, 1904. Wilbur uh, does his five minute and four second flight in Huffman Prairie, Ohio. Now on to the more recent news, which is going to be the airline financial performance. Now, 
Some of you may be asking, why is this important? Why do I need to know this? Well, the key thing to remember is that financial performance is a key indicator of how an airline's doing, and honestly, the pulse of the actual national economy. If you look back in history with um, the economic crises that we faced, usually there's a downturn in the airline travel industry before there's an economic downturn. So it's always kind of good to keep an eye on it. So this is talking about this year's quarter three performance Number one, baby, is going to be United with a net income of $1.14 billion, with a B, billion dollars. So net income is the income after – so there's revenue, which is how much money you make. Then there's operating costs, right, which is the, the cost to produce the product. And then the net income is after you pay all your bills, how much you have left, what you're putting in the savings account, basically. So United comes in number one for quarter three with $1.14 billion, which is surprising because usually it's Delta. I hate to say it, but usually it's Delta that comes in higher than that. Um, Delta's net income for quarter three was $1.11 billion, which is not bad. It's not bad. It's still a close second. Um, but that is an increase by 59% compared to this time last year in quarter three. That's how wild, not wild, but how crazy the travel industry has been this year. A almost 60% increase in performance. Um, American, I hate to say it, um, doesn't surprise me. Net income negative. Right, they lost five hundred and forty-five million dollars. I, I've said it before. I'm, <laughs> I, just, I, when I was working within the AADG system, that's one thing I never understood was their financial strategy. It never made sense. Like in the midst of the pandemic, we're reporting losses every quarter. When I was working at Envoy, and they come out of nowhere and start offering one hundred fifty thousand dollars bonuses to stay with American Inflow. It's like, where's that money coming from? So it, I hate to say it, doesn't actually surprise me, but uh, quarter three net income is five hundred uh, a loss of $545 million. Um, so American Airlines of the three legacy, and when I say legacy, these are like the OG airlines uh, that have the longest history. Um, American is the only one that has uh, reported um, a loss. Now, Southwest, I do consider a legacy in a sense because it's been around. It's one of the longest low-cost carriers out there. Um, Southwest net income is $277 million, so positive, which is an increase of 33% from last year. Um, now, you got to keep in mind, Southwest's product is a little bit different than the legacy carriers in the sense that it's kind of on the low-cost side, although it's become more of a hybrid to be able to compete with the legacies, um, but it was still reporting a $277 million increase. So overall, a very strong performance in the airline sector, um, minus American. Um, I don't know if that has to do with like the pilot contract, but if you think about it in terms of reports too, United and Delta also had contracts go through in that quarter as well. So I'm not sure if that has anything to do with it, but hopefully American turns that around because that's interesting that everybody else is netting a, a really large income, but American is not. So, And that is all I have this week on uh, Aviation News. So I'll turn it over to Tommy to talk a little bit about uh, he's handling some gaming updates as well as since Justin isn't with us today, um, Tommy is going to also be covering some automotive news. So Tommy, take it away. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. That that's something about American, though. Yeah, I, I we'll keep an eye on that. I'll, I'll keep an yeah, eye on that. We'll, we'll see what happens. So, good morning, everyone. Hope happy Wednesday, middle of the work week, finally. Uh, so, we're going to start off with a real quick gaming update. Microsoft Flight Simulator released a uh, fairly large update to the game, and it's the Nordics. Uh, it was the scenery updates and stuff like that to make it looking a little bit more realistic in the sim. Uh, I downloaded it, and in all honesty, I didn't look at it yet. 
I don't have any aircraft that are any remotely near where we, the Nordic region of the world. But uh, from what I'm understanding and seeing on the different uh, boards that I'm a member of, it's looking pretty good. Like, I haven't been really too disappointed with Flight Sim's uh, scenery updates. And it's not hitting the frames pretty much, which is what I look for. Uh, the next quick update, right, is PMDG released a bug fix to their new UFT. Uh Already bugs, didn't they just release it? Yeah, it just came out yesterday. So, figure the flight tablet came out last week. This week, they released a whole bunch of bug fixes. I didn't look at the change log. I did jump in my trusty baby guppy 700 and sat there and played with it a little bit. And it is uh, the interface between the FMC and the tablet is working a lot better now. Oh, okay. So, so I didn't what, what put it anywhere, I just kind of pre flighted it. Because I only had about a half hour to tinker with it before I had to leave, but it, it's much better. So what was wrong with it? And what was? Do you know what the bugs were originally? Were it was it just glitchy or? It not it, not that it was glitchy, but a lot of your numbers wouldn't match. So you know how in the FMC when you get to that point in your um, uh, takeoff performance, you get mm -hmm. your center of gravity and your elevator trim. Yeah, it mm -hmm. wouldn't translate to the tablet to oh. assist you in getting your v speeds interesting okay so and that's pretty much gaming in a nutshell uh coming soon will be what i find out about the release of the new modern warfare 3 which Ooh. we're on the cusp of i believe that's coming out in two days i've i don't know about you tommy but i haven't heard great things about it no because no one has seen what they want to see right now if you, you have the pre-order you could play the campaign yeah but there's a tremendous bug with that that i found out recently is it it, it wipes your your stuff it right wipes if all your modern warfare 2 out <laughs> so if you play um and you play for like a couple hours in campaign yeah. and then your buddies are like come on we're jumping on modern warfare 2 you get on there and you're pretty much back to where you were when you first oh no the yeah which so that has would make Activision... walk away to... Yeah, it's, it's has... Activision. They are aware. They are working on the fix. They just have to oh, see my... where it is. Tommy D lawsuit? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't understand. Okay, so I, I that's the first time I heard about that bug. But I was talking more about uh, a lot of people are, are bashing the campaign. Because they said mm -hmm. the campaign is just a bunch of reused maps and reused stories. That there's not a, it's not a new game that we're playing. We're playing basically a, a remastered version for 70 bucks. Now, do you think yep. a little point of discussion here? Do you think that's a marketing tool? You're, you think Activision is like, well, we're not going to show you everything since it's the pre-release, or do you think Activision has just literally recycled Modern Warfare Three and has basically given us a seventy-dollar remastered version? Right now, my opinion is that they gave us a seventy-dollar remastered version. Okay, but uh, we'll have to see what happens when the multiplayer comes out. And the big buzz is everybody with zombies. Remember, call um, what was it? Call of Duty. One of the two billion different. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, one of, the of it had zombies, and it went crazy. Like zombies just took off. You yeah. know, it's just what it is. Um, also, that's him. That this just popped into my mind. That's him. December second is hosting a massive. 
uh, event. It's called Fly Over the Americas. Mm-hmm. And there's a handful of airports in the United States where you're flying down to Brazil and a certain amount of airports in South America. Uh, registration opens for that the 28th of this month. It'll be open okay. from the 28th to the 30th, which I will be participating in and be I will be living it. Okay, we're, we're going to be live. A lot of events. Are you going to be on Twitch? Are you going to be on YouTube? Where are you, where are you doing that? All three. I'm going to be on all three of my social media for that entire flight. Um, by quick look, I already made out a flight plan for my registration. Okay. So we're looking, it's going to be about a four and a half hour day. Where are you? Do you want to tell people where you're headed to, or do you want to wait for that as a surprise? I have to see what flight plan gets approved because when you register for a VATSIM event, like across the pond East or across the pond West, yeah, mm-hmm. you may very well get an email and be like, Hey, uh, you can't have this route. Choose another one. You have 24 hours to respond. Oh, okay. And if you don't okay. respond, they cancel it. They give the slot to someone else. Oh, it's, so it's even probably going to be at least 2,000 <laughs> so even... virtual pilots flying this. Gotcha. So even Tommy doesn't know where he's going yet. No, nope. I know I'm leaving okay. the United States and flying south to South America. <laughs> Just somewhere that, down that, there. Yeah, it all depends on how they have their registration form filled out. You should go to Keto. That's uh, one. It is. It's going to be a good time, especially now. You know, it's not so new anymore with the GPU. I have a lot of undiscovered area. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one man. You want to talk about a scenic flight? That's one of them. That is definitely one yeah. Of them. Come over the mountains and stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'm going to be live, so I'm going to not have too many high obstructions around my landing. <laughs> you know, try to make it go as smooth as possible, but we'll see. I'll set we'll some alarm off on final. It's it's always an adventure. Yeah, we'll get the standard sync rate or the the Tommy D too low. <laughs> too low yeah, too low terrain or something like that. But I will be in the 738 for that. That I know for a fact. I'll be using the 738. Yeah, that's probably best for performance. I want to say when I went down there, we took a 700 is what we took down there. So. I could because I don't know why I'm better in the 700 than I am the 800, but well, the 700 is an easier, in my opinion, it's easier to, to fly, especially in the sim. It's not as much airplane. It's a lot of power, but not a lot of airplane to, to throw around. So, yep. And the one thing VATSIM has gotten a lot better about too, mm-hmm. if you go to VATSIM USA, you can see what events they're running for that week. Oh, that and is a lot better. Like they have different events in different ARTCCs yeah. every week, and it's worldwide. You know, you can oh, okay. fly in Europe one day and then, you know, like Spain another day. Oh, that's pretty so, cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And that that's actually how I found out. I was looking to see what the Friday night op was going to be and if I'm going to be able to fly it. <laughs> and then surprise, <laughs> there's this yep. event. Okay. So th- there's our gaming news in a nutshell. So my little stint on... Uh, Automotive news, and I by no means am an automotive expert. We're trying, uh, though. We're trying our best. <laughs> trying our best. But this is something that I've watched um, <clears throat> for a while, and it's been in the newspapers, and this is pretty much nationwide. But some of the things that I read in this article, I kind of just shook my head and said, oh, that figures. So <laughs> everybody's heard of the catalytic converter theft. Yeah. Where, you know, people in the middle of the night, someone comes and just kind of takes it out and come to find out, you know, very early on when this started happening, it's because it holds precious metals. There's precious metals in the converter mm-hmm. as platinum, palladium and rhodium. And to show you how precious some of these metals are in 2019, 
rhodium was about three grand an ounce when it okay. peaked in 2021 pandemic times 26 grand an ounce an or ounce. wait what was oh my goodness okay yep and wow. that's when you saw the spike in the catalytic converter thefts right kind of makes sense precious metal prices go up yeah let's bring it so as the price of the precious metal started coming down post pandemic law enforcement put millions into it including the federal government the federal government themselves kicked in about 8.2 million into the law enforcement side of the investigation into this in 2021 and 2022 bucks county pennsylvania which is the county north of philadelphia was the nationwide ring <laughs> uh... after that ring was raided and shut down there was almost an immediate 50 percent cut whoa in catalytic converters being robbed so 50 so percent yeah. was philly that's 50 percent was philly stealing cat or people in philly stealing catalytic actually they converters. would be funneled to philly that oh, was kind of like gotcha. the top chop of the country oh so it was so oh it was that county in pennsylvania you're saying yeah yeah and then oh, that okay. was when i just kind of went all right yeah that kind of figures <laughs> you know but um and they actually broke it down and i found this pretty interesting because one vehicle i was just like you got to be kidding me it's a lunchbox uh the top five that were the most targeted vehicles the ford f-series trucks the honda accord the prius i mean priuses Ford? have catalytic converters so yeah <laughs> yeah but you know the honda crv which was a little bit of a surprise also and the mm -hmm. ford explorer i remember having the conversation like it would be hysterical if all the supervisors came out and all the vehicles were missing their catalytic converters well but the thing but, is is you you honestly wouldn't know if your catalytic converter was stolen until you get the engine light yeah that you, you would have because I, I remember on my old car my uh my very first car was a 2005 pontiac vibe the station wagon um and it had problems with the catalytic converter but you would get like an engine light and that's when i learned about what the heck a catalytic converter was mm -hmm. so yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't really even know and i've actually walked up i was walking from my crash pad to the train in chicago one morning um it was like it was like 3 30 in the morning i had such an early show and i was walking to the uh the train station and i remember walking by this hotel and seeing an SUV parked up next to another SUV, and this this guy is up underneath it, right? And it didn't click in my head. It was too early in the morning, so I find, I just I, I was like probably about I don't know like fifty feet away. And I was like, "Is that your car?" And he, he like bangs his head to get out underneath it, and he goes, "Mind your business." And I said, "That's not your car, is it? Are you trying to steal a catalytic converter, bud?" And he goes, "Mind your business." I said, "That's not your car." And meanwhile. You know, after the fact, I realized that was probably stupid to do because I didn't know who he was or what type of if he was carrying a weapon or not. It was just it was dumb. It was dumb. But in my mind, I was it was three thirty in the morning. I was seeing something that was wrong happening, so I said something. One of the days, one of these days, that's gonna get me killed. So I told, and he took off, right? So I, I called the police, and they were like, um, and I had the license plate number and stuff of the car because they were driving through the parking lot. 
and that's the last time um, I took I did that early morning walk. If it was before five thirty that I had to do that walk to the train station, I just Ubered to the airport. Because yeah, I don't blame you. I would too. Yeah, after that, I was like, you know what? That part was probably. I remember telling my wife, and she was like, "You did what?" I'm like, "Yeah." Now that I think about it, uh, it was kind of dumb. I, yeah, that was pretty stupid. Um, so, but yeah, so yeah, it's a surprise that. Well, but it makes sense though that catalytic converters, when the price goes up for the metals, that the catalytic converters go up. My question is, the criminals that are doing this, is there like an app that's like, hey? The, the the cost of this precious metal or rhodium or whatever it is is this much today like the stock market do the, is there catalytic yeah, converters that the stock market I, well the metals are oh, okay mean, so there's a the stock market they they'll trade oxygen if they get the chance to do that <laughs> that's you know? uh honestly the then that means those catalytic converter uh criminals are a lot smarter than i thought they were a hundred percent I I didn't think that's why they were. I honestly thought they were going to chop shops and just trying to sell the catalytic converters. I didn't realize it had to do with the metals that had to, oh, that were in. Yeah, there. they'll crack the shell, extract the metal, and either melt it down to make a a small bar, mm-hmm. almost uh, resembling like a, a gold bar because they're what yeah. that big now. Mm-hmm. But um, as opposed to the Fort Knox gold bars. Oh okay. But, yeah, and they'll make a bar, and you know, there's always a guy. There's always the guy. I got, I got a guy. <laughs> yeah, I got a guy. I know a guy. Let me ask you a question, Tommy, because this is something I know. So growing up in El Paso, right, in Texas, everybody put their car in their garage, right? Like that. growing up, that was always the thing. Then I moved to where I am now, and nobody uses their garage. Like the wife and I in our neighborhood are one of the few people that actually put our cars in the garage. In where you live – do you all use garages to put your cars or mm-hmm. what? Okay. Yeah. So mo- most of the houses here have garages. But do they do they put their cars in them? Uh, you could tell who the multiple vehicle families are. Okay. Could, but they but, but they don't put like a bunch of garbage and crap in their in their garage. No, and not, no not okay. specifically the area I'm in now. Now, when you get to where it's a little bit more country, yeah, you know, that zero turn mower definitely does take precedence over the F one fifty. Gotcha. Okay. Because I was going to say, that's one of the biggest ways to prevent catalytic and car theft is by putting your car in the garage. Yep. So, and I also live in an area with severe weather. We get tornadoes, we get hail, we get high winds, uh, we get snow and ice storms. Like, there's, like, my neighbors will be out there scraping their their windshields at five in the morning, and I'm rolling out with a clean car because I put it in my garage. So, right. like, I just, I don't know. that That's something that just baffles me. But who knows? Maybe it's a Midwest thing that I just was not aware of. Um, it, it may be. Like, and then where I grew up in Queens, mm-hmm. there were houses that had garages. In Queens? Yeah, yeah. Really? Oh, you all yeah. have I'm, cars in New York? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, I, I, funny story. I, I still got a couple of friends that don't own cars. Like, I would say it's New York. You just take the train, train everywhere. People. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and I grew up in the in the second floor of a two family house. I thought you were going to say a garage. I was like Tommy. No. <laughs> what? no well, but... Tommy, what do you say we we talk about some terms? I am ready for my favorite part of the show. How about you explain to our friends here what jargon in the jiffy is? So jargon in the jiffy is hands down my favorite segment. Um, I love every part of the show, but jargon in the jiffy is the best. So jargon in the jiffy takes the 
industry terms that you may hear, whether it's pilots, uh, commercial drivers, EMTs, or safety specialists like Tommy, um, may use in our industry, you may hear them go, ooh, that sounds complicated, or ooh, that might be a little intimidating. So the point of jargon in the Jiffy is we take some of those terms in a game-type format. Um, for example, Tommy will go first. Tommy will say his term for today, and I'm going to do my best to try to guess uh, with the sentence that he's going to use, what that means. And then if I get it right or not, Tommy will explain what it means, and then I'll do the same thing with my industry. The whole point of jargon in the Jiffy is to um, inform you and educate you on the different terms that you may hear in our respective uh, career fields. So it's a lot of fun because a lot of times it's um, it's hard because like Tommy's flight simmed with me. We talk so much, I may know a couple of things that he is talking about, but we're also very competitive people, especially when Justin's on here too. The three of us were, if I do say so myself, we are very intelligent people and we're also very competitive. So it's not, we want to try to guess right, which makes it even more interesting. That's why I love this part of the show because you learn something and it's also pretty fun. So with Jargon and the Jiffy, Tommy, why don't you start us out? Okay, here it goes. Let it begin because I know when I start thinking of my term for jargon in the jiffy, I start mm -hmm. off with, how am I going to stump them this week? It's yep. not coming up with the term. It's, all right, how am I going to get these guys? Yeah, I think of the sentence first, and I'm like, yeah, there's no way they're going to get this. And then, then I use the word. I pick the word out of the sentence. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, here we go. <laughs> so this week, my term is staged out. This, ain't, this just ain't looking it right. Tell them we're going to stage it out. What's not looking right? A scene. It's not scene. looking right. Okay. We're going to stage it out. A little, little more context. Um, we're going to stage it out. Uh, doesn't look right. We're going to stage it out. Is that is that like, uh, I feel like it's like a stakeout. It's like uh, you're going to hang back and wait to, to, to go in to make sure it's secure before you guys head in. And that's it. Yep. I would say because staged that's out, it. you had me. Conf I can see where that was tricky, though. Because it was, I was thinking like, because anytime I hear like stage the the buses or stage the uh, the paramedics, it's when they want them off site until it's secure and then bring mm -hmm. them in. Okay, yeah, staged out, and then you. <laughs> so I was like, wait a second, what? So you almost got me there. Almost got me there. All right, you ready for my word? Bring it on. All right, this one I think I, I'm I may give it away with the sentence, but we'll see. So my word for jargon and Jiffy this week is dirty. So the sentence is um, NorCal, because of NorCal and their tendency to slam dunk us, I needed to uh, get down first before I could get dirty. Hmm. That sounds all sorts of wrong if you take that out of context. I just realized that. So that's why I added the NorCal approach in there. <laughs> yeah, planes, people were talking planes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it's I, I got to get down first before I get dirty. Okay, so I'm going to say this is definitely something to do with the um... – Stability in the aeronautics of the aircraft itself. Well, it's aviation, so yeah, stability in aeronautics kind of go. Hand yeah, that kind of makes sense. Right? <laughs> kind of, yeah. But so you, NorCal, you slam dunking, so you're chasing the glide slope. You need extra drag. So I think coming down dirty in an aircraft means you're throwing spoilers out, flaps down, anything that will give you drag to slow that aircraft resulting in it being a little bit unstable kind of i think you misunderstood the sentence i gotta get down first before i get dirty oh before, okay so you gotta get down first so where you are doing a slam dunk but maybe you're not coming into um wake turbulence to where it's gonna 
throw you off kind, a little bit more? Kind of. You're dancing around. You're at you're at the door of the nightclub, but the bouncer ain't letting you in yet. That you're 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 kind of there. The um, story of my life. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> oh my god, we're talking about my life story. Um, so, kind of. So, mm, it. I'm trying to. It. You're on the right track with spoilers. Okay. Uh, so, kind of elaborate more. So, got to get down because of Snorkel Slam Dunk. It's got to get down. We got to get down first before I get dirty. So I'm still thinking it's spoilers out to get down. Okay, so quicker. Remember, yeah. Okay, so what's have you ever heard the term clean in aviation? I have, but it's always I, I'm not sure I have the right understanding of it. To okay. me, a clean aircraft was uh, zero drag, except for like its natural drag, like you know your spoils okay. down, flaps up, so, gear up. You know, so, you configured for like a climber cruise. So go. So clean is a, uh, I forgot the, the word, but opposite, right, of dirty. So mm-hmm. go off that. So just think about that for a second because you're understanding clean is accurate. You see, it's the sentence that's playing mind games with me. Oh, yeah, I know. Down I know. First because I'm thinking NorCal, and I know what NorCal is like because, yeah. you know, New that's York Tracon ain't too far different from NorCal. That's why I'm not going to – I wasn't going to give it to you on a – silver platter but i also don't want it to be like intentionally just like the answer's not in the sentence that's the whole point of the sentence is to give it context oh yeah my windmills are turning but you got to get down first to prevent from getting dirty no no no. i gotta get down i gotta because norcal slams dunks us i have to get down first before i get dirty so oh, so I'll, you got to reach a certain altitude before you start putting drag out uh kind of you're on the right track keep elaborating Okay, there. so as you're chasing the glide slope on a slam dunk, okay, at some point you're gonna have to level the aircraft a little bit to slow it down because you how still do I have slow your down? approach speeds. And how do I how do I slow down? Uh, you slow down by going, you pitch the nose up, okay, throttle back. Going. Okay. Right when you hit those decel points, if okay. need be, you could put the boards out to slow okay, the aircraft but... anymore, disrupt it. What what and... else can I use to slow down the airplane? We're almost there. I'm working with you, Tommy flaps because that'll okay. create drag okay so, uh within operational what, parameters your landing gear okay so is that a clean configuration no if that's I have a the dirty configuration because you're there we sweating. go ding, all right ding, ding, there, ding, we ding. Go. there we go it took a little bit tommy and i had to take an adventure down memory lane in norcal but well, that, see, there I we go appreciate that because i'm learning because when you yeah, think of a clean so, aircraft it's actually very easy to understand it there we go yeah so dirty is a term that we use to describe an aircraft that is fully configured or configured. So it has some sort of drag out. So uh, it could be spoilers. Um, it, But really, a dirty configured aircraft is configured for landing. So that's the most drag that you can put on the airplane. So in the 737, that's flaps 30 or flaps 40 uh, and gear down is a dirty configuration. Clean, on the other hand, is when flaps are up, gears up. So now that is why I love jargon in a jiffy. Uh, Jiffy, like I said, you learned something. I, I honestly, out of all of this, I think is the portion of the show where Tommy and I learn something new every day. So, and I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy that. Um, but the (laughs) next part of the show, uh, next time we're going to talk about here is going to be career corner. So career corner, um, used to be comment corner and, uh, where we talked about the trolls 
of social media, but we figured eh, we don't want to give them a platform. They don't deserve the platform for trolling us. So we switched to Career Corner where we give you the basic blueprint to success to be a professional pilot, to be a medical worker, uh, like an EMT or a paramedic, or a commercial driver when Justin uh, returns or joins us. Uh, he'll be going more into that. Uh, but we just give you basically the step-by-step progressive building blocks you need to get where we are in our industries. So, for example, last week, uh, Tommy talked about uh, week number two of EMT training, um, and I talked about instrument and commercial time building. But this week, we're going to talk about the next step, starting off with Tommy, talking about EMT week number three. Go ahead, Tommy. Okay, so week number three, and as we had said in the past couple of weeks one and two, how much this is a, a foundation-based class, and we're going to build more and more we could call it, you know, a triangle. I personally look at it as steps. So you're climbing the steps towards your certification. So week three, we're going to come in day one, all excited and happy. And we're going to recap week two in about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, usually up to first break. That would be like on a Monday, the beginning of class. Week three, we're going to actually start getting more and more into patient assessment how to actually physically examine someone, what we look for, uh, everything from physically examining someone to lung sounds, vital signs. Uh, There's a couple of different histories to take, and there's mnemonics and sample, OPQRST, but that's for future shows. You're not just there yet. The one biggie is what is known as the HPI. That's the history of present illness. Why are you standing with this person on the street corner, why are you standing in their living room, bedroom, kitchen, wherever it may be? The reason why that ambulance was summoned, and we're going to hit this pretty hard because this is why we're there. We're also going to start bringing in a portion of the class that used to be called the kinematics of trauma. It actually explains to you what happens to the human body during a traumatic event. Not so. We're, we're going to teach you the different types of trauma, but more specifically, what happens to your body in certain things. And and as a quick example, a human body that's involved in a vehicle collision, I don't care what you hit, you could hit a tree, a fence, another car, the Concord, whatever, it don't matter. There's actually three separate impacts. There's the vehicular impact, There's your body's impact to the vehicle, and then there's your innards striking your bones and rattling around in your body. So it's actually three different. And then, you know, everyone has watched different shows and be like, oh, well, he's got a bruised heart. And I'm like, that's awesome because you figured this out from 100 yards away. I need that set of glasses. But sure, they absolutely did because their chest hit the steering wheel and the heart hit the sternum. That's what causes the bruise to the heart. So we're it's a little we're gruesome actually, for uh, November. Halloween's past, Tommy. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it all, this was one of my specialty lectures back in the day when I was doing a lot more lecturing than I was practical skills. Kinematics of trauma, you know, like what happens when, you know, something penetrates into the body, you know, tissue displacement and all, all this other stuff. It's actually very, very interesting stuff because this is when you start to realize how bad a person can screw themselves up and still live through it. <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, the amazing, you know, one of the things is 
the most complex computer in all of eternity is carried by the human body and that's the brain and what it is a human body can withstand now and that's where we're starting to go and we're starting to bring that into the patient assessment so we're not going to oh, have all any, of that goes into the patient assessment all of so. it is starting to get pulled into patient assessment so the way this building block is you're going to come in and we're going to give you a scenario well and like it's going to be very simple like you know a broken arm a broken leg a broken hip something on the long no car crashes not just yet we're getting there though <clears throat> and we're going to kind of like spoon feed you with your skill sheets with patient assessment and that's how we'll start integrating you to where as we speak more about this you'll start to see actually just even by our show you'll start to see how coming towards the end of it it will actually all tie together and it, it's a pretty wild process there are times that even after three decades i'm still pretty much amazed by it because it's just it's really really wild but the big week three the big takeaway is you're starting your kinematics of trauma you're starting your patient assessment as far as it is taking the histories and getting your physical exams down and your blood pressures welcome welcome aboard the tangent train <laughs> yep. nope. i'm nope, i'm really today. bad with it too that's something it tommy is. and i and justin we always we set goals at the end of each episode Speaking of a tangent, I'm going off on one. And that's one thing that we're trying to work on is trying not to go on a tangent train too hard. Um, so that's something that we're keeping each other honest on. But Like Yoda oh, says, there's no try, only do. Only do. Do you guys only... talk like that in EMT school too? Do you guys talk in reverse? I was in school with a bunch of Star Wars nerds, yeah. We, we yeah. Had, <laughs> it was either Star Wars or The Godfather, depending on what, you know, you what mood we me. were in that week. You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Oh, Marlon Brando, amazing. Did you know that he wore uh, a um, jaw prosthetic for that? There was an actual I like. Thought he had like um, not no, necessarily he's... cotton balls, but those cotton tubes that the dentist used to stick in there. No, so because I saw him in a very young Marlon Brando in Streetcar Named Desire, Stella. Anyways, yeah. but I just saw online that he actually had these weird looking prosthetics that he put on. It's almost like a retainer. To create that jawline so he could talk like this. That's awesome. So a whole other level he was. Yeah, sorry guys. Another tangent. Um yep. anyways. But uh <laughs> oh my god, I don't even know how we got on that one. But yes, so Marlon Brando wore um prosthetics for the Godfather. <laughs> now, steering us back on track, conductor Bill, choo choo. Um let's talk a little bit about the the next building block of um aviation. So last week, well let's kind of review so you start off with your discovery flight. Step number one is going to be your private pilot, or step one is your discovery flight. Step two is your private pilot lessons. Step three is your instrument uh, rating or your commercial time building. Sometimes they go hand in hand. So now we are on step number four, which is going to be your actual commercial, commercial either single engine or multi-engine. I did my commercial single engine first. So what you're doing in commercial, um, you're not really learning anything new, but you you are doing new performance maneuvers that honestly you'll never do again, but you're understanding on a deeper level the aerodynamics of these maneuvers. So like you're doing chandelles, which is a 180-degree turn using maximum energy to gain altitude. Um, so basically you do this 180-degree turn 
as you're pulling up full power and by the time you get to that 180 degree mark so that full or that 180 turn you should have the stall warning horn going off it's it's the basically the parameters then you have my least favorite of all time lazy eights which is once again energy control i absolutely hate lazy eights but luckily I've never had to do a lazy eight in a transport category airplane. It's once again, it's more theoretical understanding of the airplane. You're fine tuning what you're doing. And also commercial standards are a little more restrictive than your private pilot ones. So let's say on your private pilot, your steep turns are plus or minus hundred feet is the testing requirement as a commercial pilot. Um, you're going to be doing, I believe it's 50 degree banks with the plus or minus 50 is the restriction. So everything gets a little bit tighter, a little more restrictive. So you're just doing things in that manner. Um, and then you do learn a little bit about commercial flying. Now, a lot of people assume that commercial pilots are just, or you getting your commercial license makes you an airline pilot. That's not how it works. Now you have to have your commercial in order to get your airline transport pilot or ATP but when you get your commercial license at this level, it's not the same thing. There's a lot of gray areas and a lot of things that you probably don't realize. Like you can't just be like, hey, I can fly you now for hire. You actually can't hold out. That's what it's called. You can't advertise. Someone has to approach you about it and say, hey, can I can I do this? There's certain rules, and you'll learn all about that in ground school with uh, commercial single and commercial multi. Commercial single, obviously, you're talking about a single engine. Multi-engine is you're flying your first multi-engine or piston. I was into Seminole, but I actually did my single engine first. Here's why. To be a certified flight instructor, most people start off with just your CFI, which is your certified flight instructor, and your certified flight instructor instrument. You can teach those. Very rarely is the instrument course taught or private pilot course is taught in a multi-engine. So my school of thought was I was going to get my commercial single engine, get my CFI, and then while working for the flight school, use my discounted rates that you get when you're working for the company or the flight school to be able to do my Part 61 commercial multi-engine add-on. The cool part about the multi-engine add-on is that there is no time requirement necessarily you just have to demonstrate proficiency so part 61 which is great because the multi-engine costs more than a single engine so you can spend less time spending less money in the multi-engine getting your multi-add-on that's what i did but there's always pros and cons to it i only had 12 and a half hours um in the multi-engine and that was just learning the multi-engine and what the school felt was comfortable under part 61 to sign me off for my check ride to be an ATP, you have to have tw at least 25 hours multi-engine time. So guess what I had to do when I was a flight instructor? I saved money, but then I had to go time build, which was fun. It was me and a couple of my buddies who are airline pilots now. Um, we flew around Florida grabbing hamburgers and food. We just basically did a food tour of Florida uh, to build the 25 hours. So you do end up spending that money elsewhere. Um, but at least with a commercial single engine license, you can get jump straight into CFI into the point where you are making money first. So that's where I would recommend doing it is commercial single first, then multi. Um, but if you do your commercial multi first, that's fine, but you're still gonna need a commercial single to get your CFI, which I will talk about next week. But that is step number four in becoming a commercial or not commercial, excuse me, step number four in being a professional pilot. And that concludes part one of episode six. Now, don't worry. This is not a technical issue. There is a part two posted where we discuss to jingle or not to jingle. Be sure to check it out.